Hey, Wiki listeners, it's Rachel. And Victor, did you know I host the fantastic NYC Talent Show every Monday night at the Parkside Lounge in New York City? It's an off-off Broadway showcase where you can see New York's underground performance art up close. We've got weekly special guests like Colin Quinn, Janine Garofalo, Tone Bell, and lots more. Use the code WIKILISTEN for a special discount on tickets when you go to nyctalentshow.com. That's nyctalentshow.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems. Problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the Wikipedia page for Andrew Carnegie, part two of two. Welcome to Wikilisten, the podcast where we read Wikipedia pages and provide commentary. I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW. And I'm Victor Bernardo, KSN, reminding all of you to subscribe. And let's see how long Rachel hangs on to pronouncing it Carnegie. That's right, everybody. Subscribe so that you can hear more of me stumbling over pronunciations. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest for the show. It is Dara Star Tucker. Thank you for being here on part two of the show you started part one of. I am so glad to be back, Rachel and Victor. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad you didn't run out during the break. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is my stuff. I'm nerding out right now. I'm in heaven. Awesome. Us too. So thank you for being here. And um, let's get started. We're going to start with 1901 to 1919 Philanthropist. 1901 to 1919 philanthropist. Carnegie spent his last years as a philanthropist. From 1901 forward, public attention was turned from the shrewd business acumen which had enabled Carnegie to accumulate such a fortune to the public-spirited way in which he devoted himself to utilizing it on philanthropic projects. He had written about his views on social subjects and the responsibilities of great wealth in Triumphant Democracy, 1886, and Gospel of Wealth, 1889. Carnegie devoted the rest of his life to providing capital for purposes of public interest and social and educational advancement. He saved letters of appreciation from those he helped in a desk drawer labeled Gratitude and Sweet Words. 
He provided $25,000 a year to the movement for spelling reform. His organization, the Simplified Spelling Board, created the Handbook of Simplified Spelling, which is written wholly in reformed spelling. Wait, so he just changed spelling? <laughs> is that what that means? A spelling a reform weird... is a deliberate, often authoritatively sanctioned or mandated change to spelling rules. Proposals for such reform are fairly common, and over the years, many languages have undergone such reforms. Recent high-profile examples, uh, etc., etc. Yeah, apparently they just you were like, this is spelled weird, let's change it. So you get to be so wealthy that you can just change the spelling yeah. of words. Yeah. Actually, I think it's just that you are aware that there are ways to ask for it because I feel like I feel like there are many ways to do things like you can propose to certain organizations that spellings be changed but if you don't know those routes you can't do it but the wealthy definitely have access to that type of information hmm so interesting it's it kind of reminds me a I'm not trying to get controversial but it reminds me a little bit about what I feel like many of Elon Musk's aspirations are in his effort to, well, his determination to buy Twitter in the way he did, I feel like it has a lot to do with these kinds of, of aspirations for just determining the rules of society. We're just going to, you know, we have enough money, like you said, Rachel, to just decide what the rules are. The rules of communication are. <laughs> yeah. For an entire society, which money itself can't buy. So it's it's interesting that he would kind of put that under the umbrella of like his philanthropic work. But Okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about because there are so many there are so many ways that you can affect society. Like you can take some pretty big swings mm -hmm. and affect society if you wanted to, but there are very few people who have the <laughs> just the gall to do it. Mm -hmm. But you can, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. If that's your goal. Yeah, that's your goal. It was. You can change society. <laughs> okay. Among his many philanthropic efforts, the establishment of public libraries throughout the United States, Britain, Canada, and other English-speaking countries was especially prominent. In the special driving interest of his, Carnegie was inspired by meetings with philanthropist Enoch Pratt, 1808-1896. The Enoch Pratt Free Library of Baltimore, Maryland impressed Carnegie deeply, he said. Pratt was my guide and inspiration. Carnegie turned over management of the library project by 1908 to his staff, led by James Bertram, 1874 to 1934. The first Carnegie Library opened in 1883 in Dumfermline. His method was to provide funds to build and equip the library, but only on the condition that the local authority matched that by providing the land and a budget for operation and maintenance. To secure local interests, in 1885, he gave $500,000 to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for a public library. In 1886, he gave $250,000 to Allegheny City, Pennsylvania for a music hall and library. And he gave $250,000 to Edinburgh for a free library. In total, Carnegie funded some 3,000 libraries located in 47 U.S. states and also in Canada. Britain, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the West Indies, and Fiji, where the water comes from. He also donated 50,000 pounds to help set up the University of Birmingham in 1899. As Van Slick 1991 showed, during the last years of the 19th century, there was the increasing adoption 
of the idea that free libraries should be available to the American public. But the design of such libraries was the subject of prolonged and heated debate. On one hand, the library profession called for designs that supported efficiency in administration and operation. On the other, wealthy philanthropists favored buildings that reinforced the paternalistic metaphor and enhanced civic pride. Between 1886 and 1917, Carnegie reformed both library philanthropy and library design, encouraging a closer correspondence between the two. Wiki listeners, you can support us by listening to this message while you spend lots of money to change the spelling of the word necessary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Thank you for listening to that message, everybody. Now, let's get back into some (laughs) Carnegie action. Where are we going next? We're going to 1892 Homestead Strike. Oh, this is in the controversy section. Controversy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that to me. (laughs) All right, everybody. We're moving on to the controversies. And there were a few. I mean, as you can imagine, if someone is a billionaire, there's going to be a few controversies around them. Uh, There's no skipping that part. There is no (laughs) such thing as an ethical billionaire. Well, even, uh, I'd like to remind Rihanna. everybody that Rachel's views are not the views of Wikilisten as a whole. I usually find that people who say that make an exception for Rihanna. I want to know if Rachel makes an exception for Rihanna. I didn't know Rihanna's a billionaire. I think she is. You know, Rihanna's cool, but I stand by it. There's no such thing as an ethical billionaire. <laughs> well, as we all know from living in the world that we live in, having a, a strict platitude that covers everything with no wavering is the best way to look at things always i live and die by binary thinking (laughs) that's great to know because as i i always think that people who have binary thinking are the most intelligent and the easiest to deal with thank you (laughs) you're very welcome okay 1892 homestead strike main article homestead strike The Homestead Strike was a bloody labor confrontation lasting 143 days in 1892, one of the most serious in U.S. history. The conflict was centered on Carnegie Steel's main plant in Homestead, Pennsylvania, and grew out of a labor dispute between the Amalgamated Association of Iron and Steel Workers, AA, and the Carnegie Steel Company. Carnegie left on a trip to Scotland before the unrest peaked. In doing so, Carnegie left mediation of the dispute in the hands of his associate and partner, Henry Clay Frick. Frick sounds like a villain name. Let's see what he does. 
Oh, he's Frick was well known in industrial circles for maintaining staunch and anti-union sentiment with the collective bargaining agreement between the union and company expiring at the end of June. Frick and the leaders of the local AA union entered into negotiations in February with the steel industry doing well and prices higher. The AA asked for a wage increase. The AA represented about 800 of the 3,800 workers at the plant. Frick immediately countered with an average 22% wage decrease that would affect nearly half of the union's membership and remove a number of positions from the bargaining unit. Well, I guess he lived up to the sounding of his name. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Are you asking a question or just spouting things? That's that's a pro-union song lyric. Oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure... Frick probably had a handlebar mustache that he twirled menacingly. That <laughs> sounds pretty awful. Well, wait, I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. If you hover your he mouse when you over his, his picture, name. He has a handlebar. Yeah. It's great. Oh, no way. <laughs> he has a handlebar oh. mustache. He looks, he looks as, he, he looks like an evil <laughs> robber baron. <laughs> He's missing a top hat, but. <laughs> oh, my instincts were accurate. Okay, the union and company failed to come to an agreement, uh, shockingly, and management locked the union out. Workers considered the stoppage a lockout by management and not a strike by workers. As such, the workers would have been well within their rights to protest, and subsequent government action would have been a set of criminal procedures designed to crush what was seen as a pivotal demonstration of the growing labor rights movement, strongly opposed by management. Frick brought in thousands of strike breakers to work the steel mills and Pinkerton agents to safeguard them. Oh my gosh. Plot thickens. This dude is a jerk. Sure is. Pinkerton is a private security agency that is in the, I think in history has done a lot of shady things. Yeah. As soon as I saw Pinkerton come up, I was like, why did that make me angry? And then I hovered up over it and I was like, yep. Mm. <laughs> but everything makes you angry. That's not true. All right. Inaccuracies make me angry, such as that one. (laughs) On July 6th, the arrival of a force of 300 Pinkerton agents from New York City and Chicago resulted in a fight in which 10 men, 7 strikers, and 3 Pinkertons were killed and hundreds were injured. Pennsylvania Governor Robert Pattison ordered two brigades of the state militia to the strike site. Then, allegedly in response to the fight between the striking workers and the Pinkertons, anarchist Alexander Berkman shot at Frick in an attempted assassination, wounding him. While not directly connected to the strike, Berkman was tied in for the assassination attempt. According to Berkman, quote, With the elimination of Frick, responsibility for homestead conditions would rest with Carnegie. Afterwards, the company successfully resumed operations with non-union immigrant employees in place of the homestead plant workers, and Carnegie returned to the United States. However, Carnegie's reputation was permanently damaged by the homestead events. And that's where we're going to end it for today. Poor Andrew Carnegie in that situation. But there's lots of other stuff where he himself has uh, made bad decisions. I guess one of those bad decisions was leaving a villain in charge. He's like, uh, mm-hmm. you, Mr. Villain, take care of this, would you? <laughs> and stepping away. <laughs> That's definitely one of those things. B- before we end this, though, I would like to know, Dara, what is one of your favorite things about Carnegie? Because you picked this page. Well, 
as a musician, of course, I'm very keyed in on the arts. And I just love the fact that he was such a huge proponent of awful, evil billionaires supporting the arts and maybe doing something to balance out the harm that they have done in the world. I am going to be watching a friend perform at Carnegie Hall. So maybe that's why he's been on my mind lately. But I, yeah, I just I love that he put such investment into the arts and into libraries. I think that's a really cool thing. We wouldn't really have, you know, an, an infrastructure of libraries in this country without him. That's true. That is a one hundo. I remember I took a histology class in college and I was there for a semester, everybody. Anyway, so <laughs> during my histology class, they were studying the library system from points of view of the poor. And one of the things that was a problem when the public library was first in- introduced was that it was open during hours where working people were working. So they couldn't mm-hmm. go to it. And so for a while, it was just like the elite would hang out at these libraries. So it was basically mm-hmm. like a clubhouse for the elite for a while mm-hmm. instead of something that the general public could use. Problematic. Just saying it's all over there. But good intentions, which are also mm-hmm. great. And there's just for... Andrew Carnegie, the thing that I like the most is that he has inspired a lot of other people to be philanthropic. And I think that's the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was interesting also to hear about the kind of the juxtaposition between kind of the functionality, I guess, of these these libraries and the design of them. So I think what you're saying about this being possibly considered kind of an elitist thing, which you don't really think about these days with libraries, Mm -hmm. you know, that they were these huge institutions of, you know, that were dedicated to learning but that was maybe seen as like a high there was a hierarchy there was a hierarchical element well yeah i mean think about libraries they are in the most part especially where we are right now in new york like libraries are usually gigantic buildings with marble columns etc etc and all they need to be is a a well-organized warehouse full of books Mm -hmm. you know so yeah which is more so how, you know, how they're designed in the in the modern age. If you go to suburban areas, it's very much what they are. Just, yep. hey, come in, please, you know, access all of the information that's available here. But in these older cities, yeah, it does surprise you at how, at how ostentatious these buildings are. They almost look like churches, some of them. Cathedrals. Agreed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dara, for taking the time to be here today. Absolutely. I've enjoyed this. I love this this whole concept for a podcast. This is great. I love it. Thank you so much. And we love you too. Is there anything <laughs> you would like to promote? I had an album that came out this year. It was self-titled Dara Star Tucker. So I guess if anyone, you know, feels like checking out the music, then that would be lovely. I'm also going to be in Atlanta on December 17th doing um, kind of an informational thing as well as a musical performance on the relationship between black and Jewish musicians and creators. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's and I'm website. a black musician and creator, so I'm down too. <laughs> Wonderful. And I'm and I'm yeah. a Jewish musician, so <laughs> it's relevant for for all concerned. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> looking forward to doing that. I've been doing some advocacy work around anti-Semitism and um, have some more stuff coming out later this year, next year. Just addressing that specifically because that's an area of passion for me. Yeah, I, I I'm going to send you a copy of my book. I think you'll like it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have a book called the Anti-Racism Activity Book, which is like a highlights magazine spoof, uh-huh. and I think that you'll enjoy it. By the way, if people out there want to get their own, you can go to antiracism dot online. It's on Amazon. The Anti-Racism Activity Book. I'm a New Yorker cartoonist. Check it out, and uh, it's a good time. But I'll send it to you too. 
Yeah. And I saw one of your videos on anti-Semitism. And when I first saw it in the first few seconds, I was like a little bit scared because I was like, what direction is this going to go into? And I was like, thank God. (laughs) I think everyone is. I think people are just so on edge right now. And it's just it's hard to have conversations. I had I just did a video yesterday of just kind of, you know, some off the cuff thing that I was having conversations about. And a Jewish person came under there. and was just like, why do you care? And why are you all discussing this? And I don't like being talked about it. It was just like, well, if we can't have honest conversations, Mm -hmm. then, you know, this problem just gets worse and worse. And I particularly have a passion about addressing that in my own community. So they need to be able to hear from people like me, you know, in these conversations. It it matters who who is having the conversation. So it's been a particular focus of mine and something I'm passionate about. So I, you know, I hope not to step on too many toes, but. It's what I something that I I enjoy doing. Yeah. Well, thank you for using your platform. And it's everything that is every conversation is going to create controversy. And I think that's a really good sign. So thanks again for being here. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. This has been the Wikipedia page for Andrew Carnegie, part two of two. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. You can find us at Wikilisten.com and on all social media and on TikTok at Wikilisten, except for X, which is at wiki underscore listen. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really helps us out. Check us out on YouTube for more content. And don't forget to smash that subscribe button with your will to do good in the world. If there's a particular page you'd like us to read, let us know. We will read it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.